Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Happy Tuesday, y'all. You are listening to episode number 44 of the Simply Teach podcast. That's only six shows away from 50. It's so crazy to think that that many episodes have been created, and I've talked with so many amazing educators during this time. I am so happy to finally be back home with my husband and our dogs. May has been crazy. In the middle of April, we traveled to Belgium and the Netherlands for just kind of our first European road trip and our first like chance traveling while we've been here. We clearly didn't look at the calendar though because we planned that trip and then we were home for a little less than two weeks and then we flew out to Italy to meet our friends Logan and Olivia, which was so much fun and so, so, so beautiful. Um, but then I, I didn't even come home. I flew straight from Rome back to Texas to watch my little sister graduate from Texas A&M. You're welcome, Aggies. I just gave you a pause so you could whoop. I think you're supposed to say it with more excitement. Whoop. I don't know. I'm not an Aggie. But anyways, while I was in Texas, I got to catch up with friends and meet all the babies that were born since us moving away. And I also got to give them their baby shower gifts, which um, are little like Lederhosen and Drindles, which is like the traditional German outfits worn at Oktoberfest and all the different um, like beer festivals. Anyways, I got to give them all those. They were like cute little onesies that, you know, for boys look like Lederhosen and girls look like Drindles. So cute. Anyways, I flew back on Thursday, landed Friday morning. Two of my sisters were already here in Munich, so we came back to my little town. I did some laundry, cuddled my pups, and packed again for a few days of traveling Germany with them. Now I am finally back home and settled after a really busy month, which is really good because now it's time to kick it in high gear for the course that's launching in July, kickstart your school year. Okay, enough about me. Let's talk about Marie. That's who I'm talking with today, Marie Morris from the Caffeinated Class. Marie is so much fun, and I know that you're going to enjoy our conversation today. We talk about a wide range of things, from her experience teaching at a different school each day of the week, to that fine line, especially as a secondary teacher, of building relationships with students, but also still maintaining the authority as their teacher. I brought Marie on because I just love her realness on social media about life in a high school classroom, and I'm super stoked to have a secondary teacher here on the podcast for any of these secondary teachers listening. I so enjoyed my conversation with Marie, and I know you will too. Here we go. Hey, Marie, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am really excited to talk to you. And you're the first person I'm talking to in this like whole round of new podcast interviews for this season. And you're like super spunky and outgoing and talkative. So I'm glad that you're one of the first people people that I'm talking to. Well, thank you. I will say I am definitely known as a good talker. You can ask pretty much anybody, including my students, like, yep, she'll just start talking and then forget to hand out the rest of the papers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, before we get started, we just were talking. I'm sure we could have gone on and on because, uh, yeah, I'm a talker too, which my husband sometimes is like, please stop. So will you introduce yourself to the listeners and just a little bit of background, both personal and professionally? Sure. So I'm Marie and I'm from the caffeinated classroom. I have been a teacher. I'm in my 12th year of teaching right now. I am born and raised in San Diego. I went to San Diego State University. My husband and I met at San Diego State. He is also a teacher born and raised in San Diego. We are now raising our children 
in San Diego, California. Shocking. Um, so we haven't gone very far. <laughs> and if anybody's ever been here, you'd know why. But I have a credential in English. And I also held a credential in French, but that's a whole nother story. But I started off my career as a very young, bright-eyed teacher teaching English at the high school where I currently teach. Then the budget cuts and the depression of 2008 happened, and mm -hmm. I subsequently was laid off from my job every year for three years. Um, I ended up somewhere in there. It all gets a little blurry. Somewhere in there, I was part-time one of the years because there wasn't any there wasn't a full-time job to hire me back. And then the following year, there were no jobs because I was the absolute last on the totem pole because I was the youngest one in like my entire unified district. Um, and so I ended up taking a year off, finishing a master's, coming back as then the theater arts teacher at the same school. Um, and this is the district where I grew up too. So it's very homegrown. Um, and then let's see, I did theater for five years. Um, my husband and I- Do you have a degree in theater? I do. I have, okay, so- okay. My bachelor's is in French. Okay, I'm all over the place. My bachelor's is in French. My credential is in English. Having an English credential in California allows you to teach a few things. English, journalism, yearbook, theater. Okay. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, and then I have a master's degree. The master's that I stopped to then work on when I had that year sabbatical, basically forced sabbatical, is um, in theater arts. So I have a master's of art in theater. <laughs> so I ran my school's theater department for five years and... By the end of that, I was pregnant with my second child and going, I cannot do any of this well if I'm doing all of this. It just takes too much um, me there time to really run a proper theater program. Uh -huh. So then I um, – sorry, this is a long story. So then – I applied for a then brand new position in my district. They were piloting a program of like a teaching wheel where they had 20 credentialed teachers because we have a very large K-12 unified district. Um, and so this was for specifically our 26 elementary schools, a wheel, a like a learning or teaching wheel program where 20 of us credential or tenured from within the district um, were on a team where we taught STEM, visual and performing arts, coding, I'm leaving something out, but also PE lessons. So of the 26 schools in my district, I was on like half of the team, the 10 of us saw 13 of the schools and we would go to them on a rotation. And at each school, we would see basically like a block schedule for my secondary teachers out there. We would see three classes for two hours each. And then like, so Monday I would be at school A, see those three classes. Tuesday I would be at school B, see those three classes. And it would go all the way cycling through the 13 schools that I visited. TK, so we have transitional kindergarten in my in my district. Um, so it would be in classrooms from TK through fifth. And it would just depend on where you were, depending on the schedule. Some days I would see a K class, a two and a five. Some days I would see a TK and a K and a four. It, it just depended. So same class. That sounds so stressful. You know, it, the interesting thing is because I went back to it on maternity leave <laughs> with my daughter. So <laughs> I missed the first like six weeks of this program. So when I got there, oh yeah, everybody else already knew each other. They already had like camaraderie. And I was like pumping at breaks. Like I missed <laughs> this whole like mess because I was a brand, like a new again, nursing mother and also learning how to go from school to school and also like learning classroom management in elementary classes because I had only been a secondary teacher my entire career. It was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. but okay. What is huge? You said TK transitional 
Kindergarten. I've never heard of that. So it's something that I know my district hasn't always had transitional kindergarten. I think it's newer in a lot of areas, but basically it's for um, kiddos who will turn five during the year before kindergarten and who are like older fours. So I'm trying to remember, I think the TK cutoff is like an arbitrary, like December 2nd. Mm-hmm. You have to be born before December 2nd birthday or maybe after you could obviously I've done a lot of research into this um but so like my but it's class, different than pre-k it basically well pre-k isn't included in my district well it is but then that's like a separate pay for pre-k okay yes. tk okay. transitional kindergarten is part of the regular school day but they only go a half day whereas our kindergartners in our district go full day okay so it is federally funded and state funded but it's not full day Okay. So it's like pre-KK combo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I know, right? Yeah. Like my son, who's got an end of July birthday, didn't even qualify. Like he's Because he, did, he didn't hit the age, right? He didn't whatever. hit the age, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So you have two kids. I have two kids. A boy and a girl. Yes. My son is five and a half and in kindergarten right now. And my daughter is two and a half and yeah. a crazy person. No, she's just very <laughs> two and a half and teething and all of that. Aren't all two-year-olds? They are. They're all crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a friend, a text from my friend today. Um, she was like talking about how her daughter's been like, just she, and for her words, she said terrible. Um, I'm not saying that, but, uh, I asked her like, what's going on? And she was like, I really don't know. Other than the fact that she's two years old. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, I just, I know why well, you feel so badly because she can understand mm-hmm. everything. She truly can. She can follow multiple step, you know, commands or whatever. She, she knows how to do things. She just can't respond with the correct mm-hmm. vocabulary. And when she tries the correct vocabulary, she can't quite put the syntax together. Like she just can't communicate outwardly other than sometimes beating up on her brother and like throwing mm-hmm. things because she gets so frustrated that she can't communicate. And it's like, there's a lot of like deep calming breaths that happen <laughs> in our house because she's trying so hard and she just can't do it. Yeah. Poor kid. Aww, poor baby. <laughs> yeah, but she's a kook. She's a crazy. Person. So you're in secondary now, right? Correct. I am so back cool. in the high school English classroom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about that because I'm come from elementary and I would say most of the guests I've had on are, um, primary or not primary, but, um, elementary Mm -hmm. grade level teachers. So I'm excited to bring you on and, you know, kind of talk about those older kids because God bless you for, (laughs) I have to say older, the older kids are so much like the younger kids, it's just that they're bigger with like more That's what I've heard too. colorful more. vocabularies. I mean, just like the <laughs> same way that my two-year-old cannot identify her feelings. It's the same thing with like a sophomore. <laughs> like they're the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, you filled out a lot of, when I sent you that form, I was reading it today and there was like so much valuable information on there. So I'm really excited to just jump in and you share your wisdom with us. So the first thing I wanted... <laughs> a lot of pressure, Kelly. <laughs> you already said it. So you just get to say what you already said. Um, so the first thing was you talked about being present at school and then being present at home. So we're talking about your kids and like your daughter and, you know, um, not panic attacks. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, tantrums. Yes, there you go. Sheer and utter tantrum. Yeah. yeah. How do you... Well, just talk about how you balance that and your mom at home and then teacher at school. 
Well, first of all, I have to say, and I've said this many times, like the word balance, and a lot of people say this, there's actually no such thing, right? There's no such thing. You're never going to have a scale that's perfectly balanced between work and home and even like home family and home social. Like it's never going to be in perfect balance as we say it, right? Because there's just no such thing. Life ebbs and flows. There are different seasons. There are different seasons to your career, right? So like... That is something that I had to work really hard as I was first a mom, like just with my son, to get that notion out of my head because it's a myth. Like it's just not a thing. It is a constant work every single day. The same way that being able to like handle all of the different children that are in our class, like all of our students and all of the responsibilities that we have professionally and the responsibilities we have for their like emotional health and their education, like balancing all of that stuff. There's no such true thing. You just kind of have to keep working at it and keep getting better at it. And that's the same sort of thing as like the teacher and the mom and the wife and the daughter and like all of that stuff, the home and the work balance that I have been trying to navigate and figure out. Like, it's just some days I drop the ball and then I have to like, yeah, work doubly hard to get it back going again the next day. But then like life doesn't stop. You just keep on going. Um, but yeah, one thing that knowing that I was going back into the English classroom this year and that this is definitely, there's definitely a lot more focus that I have to do on curriculum. There's a lot more on me for planning than in the last two years of this like itinerant teacher job that I was in. Cause that job had a lot of, I had to access my, um, bag of classroom management and behavior management skills a whole lot more than I've had to access them this year but I didn't have to do a whole ton of planning. Like we only had a a finite number of lessons that we would then differentiate between the different grade levels of the elementary kids here. On the other hand, it's all me. I mean, I'm the, I am the classroom teacher. And so I'm the one coming up with everything. And that's the normal experience of a classroom teacher, but I had never done that being a mom of two before. So it was something that I just sat down and I really like, was like, okay, listen, Marie, you're going to figure this out and you are going to be okay. And it's going to be really hard and you're going to get through it. Like I just have to pep talk myself all the time, basically. (laughs) Um, but there is a lot of logistical, just, just thinking through the logistics that I have to do, um, just with myself, making sure that I'm at least prepared for the next day. And in a lot of ways, I'm like a new teacher where I'm like, I just have to make sure I'm prepared for tomorrow before I leave my classroom. Because when I leave my classroom, my attention goes to my kids and it should, they deserve to have their mom's attention when I've been gone all day long. And so I just have to be okay with the fact that things are not going to get done in, I am normally like anal retentive about getting things done ahead of time. And like all of my copies are done two weeks ahead of time. It's just not the case. And I'm okay with it. Like, I don't feel like a mess. It'll get done. And if it doesn't get done, it must not have been that important. So like, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of went on a tangent there. Sorry. No, you did. You, I mean, it just, I think even, so I don't have kids and obviously I didn't have kids while I was teaching. Um, but still I struggled with that feeling of like needing to complete the to-do list and needing to leave, you know, feeling, I mean, yeah, like you said, leaving for the next day prepared, but coming to that realization that the to-do list is never going to be done. And, um, yeah, I mean, you just, you said it perfectly. Like there never is complete balance. It's just, you know, putting on whichever hat you're wearing at the time and being fully in that. So, okay, this is like not super related and we'll talk about your YouTube channel in a minute, but do you like designate certain days that you work on your 
YouTube channel and your blog and all that kind of stuff? Or do you just like fit that in whenever? Um, it honestly depends. Like there were, I would say before a couple of weeks ago, I had certain days, like Thursdays were like my work nights and I would Mm -hmm. just go and it was like the kids were with daddy, mommy is going right. And, um, because they're so small, like they want me there all the time, which Mm -hmm. is awesome, but also very draining. Um, but now our kids are both in activities, like as, as of a few weeks ago. So my son has multiple practices a week and then games on Saturdays. My daughter is, she wanted to take dance class, which is the funniest thing in the world to watch (laughs) two-year-olds do like tap. Oh my gosh. It's the funniest. It's like herding cats, but she loves it. And she like really wanted to do it. So we've got that happening on multiple days of the week as well. So it's all changed. Mm -hmm. Like the, the whole schedule that we had out there had to completely shift. And that's like, that's something you definitely learn early on in the classroom is like, you can have expectations for how your day or your week or your hour is going to go. And you're just going to have to be flexible because things are going to come your way and you're not going to get through all the material necessarily, or you'll have extra time. Same exact thing with like (laughs) finding this like work life thing going on, because like you said, I'm doing more than just being a classroom teacher. I'm also sharing things on YouTube and on a blog Um, and that's more of like a personal outlet for me because I, Mm -hmm. I like the creativity of it and I like the sharing of it, but I definitely have to now squeeze it into my day here and there and I'm getting better at it and I'm getting better at like the act of editing a YouTube video takes me like a 10th of the time that it used to take me. Like I can get a daily vlog out in under an hour now. And so I'll just sit down and before I'm going to read a book at night, the kids are in bed and my husband is like working on stuff. Cause he's also a teacher. He'll be working on like grading some stuff. And if I'm all ready to rock and roll for the next day, I'll sit down and I'll do that stuff. And then we'll like come together and like read or watch TV or whatever and then go to bed. Um, and it's just starting to become part of my daily ritual, but there are definitely days like my daughter's been teething and she has like not been all about me on my computer. She'll come up and like smack and be like, mommy, no work. <laughs> <laughs> so and like, cause she'll be up later than like her bedtime. Cause she's right. flipping out mommy, no work. And like slap the computer. Um, so it just takes rolling with the punches and just knowing it's going to be fine. And like whatever happens, happens. And that is so outside of my personality. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so controlled. That what you said right there is like why I'm not ready to have kids yet because I'm not ready for the like <laughs> mama, no work in the, I know, you know, being dictated by their schedule. I'm just still too selfish at this point. Um, I don't think it's selfish. I think it's just, you know, what you're focusing on, you know, and I think that's a really good thing to be aware of. Like, this is what I want to be doing. Well, and this is the time to be selfish. Like we're young, we're living in a foreign country. Like I want to take advantage. When we moved here, everybody was like, are y'all going to have kids? Are y'all going to have kids in Germany? I'm like, no, no. Because I'm in Europe, like I can travel for like a 10th of the cost that it would take to travel from the US. Why would I have children and like, you know, throw that out the window? I know it's such an interesting thing that that's like the first thing that people ask, right? Like, when are you having kids? Well, like, what if we're not? (laughs) I know. And I like, I've told Cody before, I'm like, did you know that Cause people will ask me that, are you going to have kids? Well, and I'm like, that's not really socially acceptable anymore. To ask. I don't think so. I think that's extremely, I think it's so gauche. Like, yeah, I mean, I, asked, but, but at the same time I have to stop myself from asking yeah. people too, because I'm so focused on my own kids that I'm like, that's the best thing in the world. Don't you want some? But like some people don't, and I need to like be sensitive to that. And I have to yeah. stop myself. Yeah. I mean, if it's somebody I'm close with, or I'm like building a friendship with, I think that that's different, but like, yeah, just random people that don't really know you. I'm like, "Mm, 
Yeah, you don't really I get that question. Like, so when's baby number three coming? And I'm like, 10 minutes to never. <laughs> or, we, we done. We're done. <laughs> like, the yeah. baby shop is closed. We're done. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So you talk about being present at school at home. And then you also talked about like, I think this kind of feeds into it, being present with your kids and that they see the real you. And I'm talking about your students, not your children. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, but um, it's, it's, it's with both. Absolutely. But like, obviously my own children are going to know me in a different way. Right. Cause I'm their mom. But yes, what you're talking about with my students, I, um, I used to, as especially like I started teaching at 22. Right. And I was like teaching 11th and 12th graders. Can you imagine that they, okay. First of all, that, yeah, you had 11th and 12th graders uh, at 22, but even at 22, they let me have like 20, eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds. Like, insane. It's just it's insane. Yes. It's insane. it's insane to like now also, speaking of being a parent, look at it and be like, my kids are going to have children as their teachers. Like <laughs> yeah. for all intents and purposes, we're so just fresh and new and haven't really done things on our, I mean, some people absolutely have. I was not one of those people. Like yeah. I was so supported and I'm not begrudging that at all. But like, I look at it and I go, Wow. I had a steep learning curve. Yeah. Like I had a lot to learn. Yeah. And I'm glad that I've figured a lot of it out, but holy mackerel, I can't <laughs> even imagine what some of the parents of these seniors were looking at me at back to school night going, what? I'm sorry, where's the, t- where's the teacher? <laughs> like, yeah. are you the TA? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no. And I looked way young too. Um, oh wait, what were we just talking about? I went totally on. About, no, that's okay. Um, about being present with, oh, being present. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I try, and I used to try and hide it when I was young, right? When I was first teaching, because you want them to think that you know it all, right? You don't, you, I felt like I had something to prove because I was so young when I first started teaching and because I was teaching like juniors and seniors in high school like and they were five so years younger than you. <laughs> truly, they were so close to my age and I was like their big sister instead of like their teacher. And I didn't really know how to act like their teacher. Like I didn't know what that looked like for me yet. And so I found myself hiding when something would go wrong and like just sweating through my entire body and like freaking out and trying to fix stuff. And finally, a few years in, I just was like, I got to let that go. Like, I just have to let that go and let them see me fail and let them see me try and figure out how to make something work better or like whatever it is. And now I'm at a point where I'm actually really mindful about exactly just showing students what's going on with me. Like all of last week, I had a crazy migraine that lasted me from like Sunday through like this past Saturday. It was just a bad one. And I would just tell my students, I just, I'm going to be very upfront and honest with you because sometimes you guys don't feel so good when you're sitting in class. And right now I feel awful. I am here. Like I, I don't really have the time at the moment to take a day and there are things that I want us to get through, but I might have to take a minute and step outside because I just don't feel good. And they're kids, they're understanding, like they're people. And when they see us acting like that or, and, and see me talking through, like I'll talk through my own anxiety sometimes because I totally get anxiety and I'll just tell my students, you know what? I'm having a really hard moment right now. I think I'm going to take a step outside. Let's take a two minute break. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and I just like calm my body for a second. And they are completely understanding of that. And it's also, I'm showing them that A, all of the adults in their life don't have to pretend that we all have it together because none of us really does. 
And just because they're an adult, they're not going to all of a sudden have it together. And then I'm also showing them that like, this is how these are my coping skills. Like this is what I've learned to do to help myself get through those hard moments. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching them try the same sorts of things and try to help themselves get through difficult moments because they're teenagers. Of course they've got anxiety. They're like riddled with hormones. Yeah. So I just, I'm very, I mean, I'm not like open book because they don't need to know everything because I am their teacher. Like I do, I do need to, you know, there's some things that kids just don't need to have on their shoulders and they don't need to know about, but I think it's okay to tell them like, I'm having a really hard time right now and I need a minute or, oh, I totally forgot to give you guys that stuff. Give me a second while I figure this out. Like, that's okay. They can, they can see us struggle a little bit. It it makes us more approachable. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask, do you feel like that has... Um, affected your relationships? So, okay, first question, do you feel like it's um, affected your relationships with your kids, your students? Um, And second question, do you feel like it um, affects like behavior management with your kids by being that real person with them? Absolutely. I mean, so I teach on a quarter system, which means that I get a batch of kids at the beginning of the year. I have them for two quarters. And then at the end of like a normal semester, right? Mm-hmm. Halfway through in January, I got a whole new batch of kids. So I had great relationships with so many students <laughs> and now they're gone. <laughs> I mean, they're still on campus, but now they're gone. And I had to rebuild and restart completely from scratch um, with brand new students. And so there is a level of, it's just nerve wracking being like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there with brand new kids. And quite frankly, teenagers are the judgiest of all of the, you know, like populations that you can find of humans. Um, and so I've had to like, learn how to find like a sweet spot of how much I share, because sometimes if you share too much, they will just run you ragged because they're students and they're pushing the limits and they're kids and they're trying to figure out exactly how to interact with other people. And then if I share too little, then there's like no real student connection. But when that connection really happens, like that relationship really sparks, then, oh my gosh, behavior management is almost, it almost takes care of itself. And I, and I'm not like, I'm not living in a dream world. I absolutely teach real live breathing teenagers with real live breathing teenager issues and behavior, things that come up, but being able to just look at a kid who's not my, my child, right. But is just my student and they know what I'm thinking and we can connect in that moment and they'll correct their behavior without any words from me is such a testament that like our relationships with students make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Teaching is so incredibly overwhelming and the start of the school year can be so fun and exciting, but also really overwhelming. One of the biggest questions or the struggles that I saw teachers asking last summer was, what can I be doing right now to get ready for this school year? I saw both veteran teachers asking that and first-year teachers. But my constant answer to that question was, work on your behavior management plan, outline your routines, and decide how you want to organize your classroom. Those are like the three things that you could be doing. But this year, I have an even better answer than just those three things. The Kickstart Your School Year course was designed to help you start a new school year. Whether you're a first-year teacher, you're an experienced veteran teacher, you're going to have clear, actionable steps for setting up and organizing your classroom, as well as a detailed plan for managing your students and starting your school year on the right foot. You can get all the info you need at thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash kickstart. I am so pumped to finally be launching this course that has been an idea in my brain for a couple of years now. 
This course is designed to help you, the overworked, busy, stressed out teacher. We're going to walk through how to plan for self-care, create detailed management plans, discuss how to organize and decorate your classroom in a way that works for you. And you're also going to think about how to create your plans for the first few days, first week of school. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can get all the information and sign up for the course at the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash kickstart. So you said, um, sharing too much. I'm thinking Mm. you're talking about this and I'm thinking about my sister because she's in her first year of teaching high school. Um, she teaches an elective. So she's got freshmen Mm -hmm. through seniors. And I went in one day, um, right before I moved, just like bring her lunch. And I, and I stuck around and those kids were brutal and they were mean to her. Like they were so mean to her. I was like, stop treating my sister like this. Um, but I'm thinking about her and this, you talking about this and I'm going to go, you know, tell her, Hey, try and share more, um, and see if that helps. I don't know. But you said sharing too much can like, Kind it of. can muddy the water. And I don't mean sharing too much in like an inappropriate, like I'm not, I'm not no, no, talking no, I know. about, right. Well, it's it, because that is sometimes, especially, especially in like a high school, it just, yeah. sometimes the line, you just have to like draw it really, really hard. And I, and that's fine. Right. There's no assumptions that need to be made. Like I am not talking about sharing inappropriate or like really personal or intimate information with my students. I'm talking about telling them too much of my life or like telling them about my kids too much or like letting them in where then if a student is having a bad day and they treat me badly, it affects me and my day Mm. because it should. Okay. Okay. Because quite frankly, and like even to relate it to my own children, right? Like my son had a really hard day this last weekend and he was kind of rude to me. He wasn't kind of rude. He was pretty mean (laughs) to me a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop myself from reacting. Right. And it's the same thing with students. You want to react to be like, why are you being so mean to me? And it takes that moment, that pause to think to yourself, they're really not being mean to me. They're just finding that I am a punching bag. Mm -hmm. Like it's not really about me. And it's the same thing with my son. Same thing with students. Yeah. But with my son, it's obviously a different kind of relationship with my students. I have to, um, when any of those sorts of behaviors start to creep up and I realize that students think that they can take advantage and I'm not saying in a bad way, like, like I said before, kids are kids. And they're always going to push the envelope to try and see exactly where they go. Like they're trying to find their spot in your class, in your esteem, you know, like in any sort of a thing, they're trying to figure out where they fit in. And when kids start to like push an envelope and maybe sass me or roll their eyes or what I have to write in the moment, say, I need you to understand something. I am here for you and for your education and for your emotional well-being. I am not here for you to be rude to me. Like I'm a person too. Mm-hmm. most kids, they'll kind of go, oh, you're totally right. And I'm not saying do it publicly, but I, I have to take that moment sometimes. Like I have a student who she pushes me all the time <laughs> and I, she has a lot of reason to, she has a lot of reason to distrust the adults in her life. Mm-hmm. It took me getting to know that. Right. But I also have to say, just because you've had a hard past doesn't mean you get to treat me poorly. I am going to show you how to have an appropriate positive relationship with an adult. So that oversharing, I just kind of mean like opening myself up to vulnerability 
mm-hmm. more where like, I just have to remember my role is as their educator. I'm not their friend. I am not their friend. I am their mentor. I am their confident, ab- confidant. Absolutely. I am their teacher, but like, I'm not their peer. So I have to, sometimes I have to check myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And I wasn't trying to imply like that. No, not. I know. I know. I just, (laughs) I like my own sound. I know. I just heard my own sound bite and was like, I need to to qualify this. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about behavior management then. What are some things you do with your, because, you know, when you think about, when I think about behavior management, um, I think about like stickers and classroom money and, you know, whatever. But I'm assuming that probably doesn't fly with. I mean, I've tried it all. Like I've definitely tried like a classroom reward system and it works, but like it gets out of hand, right? Like, you know how sometimes like even uh, upper elementary students, you're like, oh my gosh, they're, they're like, (laughs) the animals are taking over the zoo. They're like (laughs) too into this money system that we've got going on here. Um, So I've like tried that stuff and I just found myself like not keeping up with it. Um, And truly in a high school you have to really, really keep up with it if you want it to work because I, these are, if money's the example, like these are kids that have their own job, so they actually have their own money. So it's kind of like, <laughs> they could care silly. Yeah. Exactly. Or like if they do care, they care a little too much and you're like, okay, bud, you got to like, yeah. pump the brakes. And it's like only a certain segment of kids, like the kids that yes. should care about it probably don't. And the kids no. that do care about it, you're like, this is useless. <laughs> Right. And you're like, those are the kids that have a 98 and ask you if they can do credit, extra credit. And you're like, you have to stop. Like, you, <laughs> kiddo, you gotta, you gotta know when you're ahead. Um, no, a lot of my behavior management is just me being as plain and transparent with students about what is going on in our classroom, what they can expect, what I expect of them, what they can expect of me and of each other. And just saying, let's hold each other to that high expectation. And then it's the follow through. So it's like twofold, clear, transparent expectations. And then the follow through, because if, I mean, any kid, any human, if there's no follow through for consequences of like violating an expectation, then what, what, what no give motivation. anybody the motivation exactly to yeah. not do that again? Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, we are starting in my ninth grade classes and I always forget, I hadn't taught ninth graders in a while, just ninth graders, because when I was teaching like your sister, I right, teaching an elective, when I was teaching drama, it was ninth through 12th in any given class. I had a mix of all four grades and they do a lot of self-regulating. Like seniors will just look at a freshman acting like a weirdo and be like, <laughs> that's socially inappropriate right now. Obviously, there's a space for weirdness in a classroom, but like, mm, this isn't the moment. Um, and that took care of a lot of it for me was like uh-huh. just kind of the social Darwinism happening. Yeah. Um, but now when you have a concentration of all ninth grade students, <laughs> I have to take a lot of moments and like, they're silly. They're still not fully baked yet. Like they are. <laughs> they're they're still- are so awkward. They're just so silly sometimes. And the kids that you don't think are going to be super silly that seem like they have it all together just have these moments of like, oh, honey, you are still a giant eighth grader. Um, And so like it just takes a lot of understanding. But we are starting a unit on Of Mice and Men, the John Steinbeck novel. And Of Mice and Men has some pretty heavy subject matter. It talks about like social class, it like socioeconomic status, obviously a lot. It talks about... um, what else are we talking about? Gosh, now my brain is going to jelly. Race, 
is a huge thing in Of Mice and Men. Gender is a huge thing in Of Mice and Men. Um, and like inequalities therein. And so I have been prepping them for the last few days and saying, these are our expectations in this classroom. When we start talking about certain words, right? Like racial slurs, we're talking about the history of them. We're talking about the connotation or like what's behind those words, why we don't use them in a respectful like society and why they are included in this book because of like, what is the weight of them? And then I just keep repeating over and over and I have it up on the board. Our expectations of each other are maturity and respect in this classroom. We are going to learn about heavy stuff. Always, always, always maturity and respect because that leads to empathy. And I'm going to run into some stuff. I'm going to have kids when like the N word comes up in our novel who don't know how to handle it. So they just spaz out. And so I am trying to front load them with tools of how to handle these things before they come up, because I know when they're coming, you know, these like, right. and like when they call Curly's wife, bad names, the, the Me Too movement should not be lost on my students. And so we're going to front load a lot of that stuff. And that front loading with those clear, transparent expectations will take care of a lot of things before they even arise. Mm-hmm. A lot of behavior I've seen from teenagers especially, and this is like 90% of kids, comes from not knowing how to handle a situation or like not knowing how to be and not knowing their place. And like, what do I do with my hands? I'm in a spaz. And then there's a behavior issue, right? Mm-hmm. The other 10% are having other legitimate issues that have to be dealt <laughs> with personally. <laughs> you talk about that. I mean, that's like heavy stuff. It is, but it's real. It's, and it's the life. Yeah. It's the life that they're living. Like it is the world oh, that they live so, in. So yeah. 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 And so we try to approach it, not from like a clinical standpoint, but from a super academic and then also approachable and like life applicable standpoint of Mm -hmm. like, hey, girls in here, would you be okay with somebody calling you this? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you let people call you this Mm -hmm. and not asking them to like personally respond, but to like really reflect and like, hey, boys in here or hey, everybody in here, because I'm not going to just make, you know, talk about just boys and girls because we have got all the spectrum of gender happening in my classroom, but everybody in here, how do you feel about somebody you love being treated like this and being called these kinds of hurtful, harmful names? Those are the sorts of things that we're talking about to try and really like bring it home and help them understand why we teach these novels. It's not just because they must read Steinbeck. It's because the messages in there are still applicable to society today and they can like help them learn how to have their own interpersonal relationships. Yeah. That's deep. (laughs) I was just like, <laughs> like I'm, <Amen>. ingr- yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful that, I mean, in elementary, you do touch on like race is something that, um, you know, we would talk about, but yeah, probably not as much of like you mentioning the me too movement and yeah. The gender and it's, and, it's yeah, that definitely, especially with ninth graders and even some 10th graders, there is such a huge spectrum of, um, I mean, I'm going to say maturity levels, but I mean like adultness. Mm -hmm. We have some kids that really know the world for whatever reason it is. And they might have a perfectly 
like they might they might not be troubled at home. They might you know, they they might be just the general student, but they just understand what's going on in the world around them a heck of a lot more than another student who just does not have like their brain has just not developed to the point where they can understand these concepts in the same worldly way as student A. Right. right. Um, and then there are other kids who have just experienced way too much for their young age and they understand it in a completely different fashion. And so a lot of what I'm doing with like front loading is for behavior, but it's also for them to like have at least some sort of a common ground understanding of these issues. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they've all de- like experienced gender and race and social class in their Hold own on, ways. Yeah. So we have to just try and find a lot of equalizing. Do you like notify parents that you're talking about these things or is now that it's like such a common thing, it's not like, I would assume race is probably not something that you're going to seek parent permission on, but you talk about like, um, the spectrum of genders in your classroom. Is that, um, it's not like I, it's, I, parents know what literature we're reading for sure. They know the material that we are covering. Um, and it's not like I'm hiding from them what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but I don't, like send home an FYI, here are the topics we're covering. Because I don't, I don't think that I, I, I know, I know as a professional that students, that students, that parents can trust mine and my colleagues' professional judgment as to what we are showing to their students and what we are exposing their children to. Um, And it's, and we're not, it, it is an interesting line that you have to walk, right? Because you don't want to, as a teacher, I have to make it very clear that yes, I have my own personal beliefs. I'm going to do my best to keep my discussion, the discussion in here as open and neutral as possible. I don't want to politicize what we are talking about because really what we're talking about is like at such a human basic level that we don't need to be talking about policy, but inevitably that kind of stuff's going to come up. And I just have to remind students that it is my job to teach them how to think for themselves. And yes, I'm a breathing human. That's what goes back to that whole like transparent being a real person. Like I obviously have my own beliefs about all sorts of different things. The things that we are talking about, I have my own beliefs about, but it is not my job to put those beliefs on my students. It is my job to open up our classroom for questions and to teach them how to think about things and how to come to their own conclusions. And so how to it takes talk a lot about of work. things too. Exactly. Give them the tools to be able to disagree with someone who they respect or mm-hmm. who they care about and, res- and disagree in a respectful and productive fashion versus just you're stupid and I don't agree with you and you're dumb, shut down. Yeah. 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 I feel like every time I get on Instagram now, um, especially my teacher Instagram page, because I follow so many different people, whereas mm-hmm. like on my personal Instagram, I follow like the people that I'm actually friends with. Um, but you know, there's just like, I, I get on there and I just get so angry and like upset over the things that I see. I don't partake in the conversation because I just choose not to, but, um, yeah, people just don't know how to communicate with each other. And, and social media, to your point, is such a, it's still the Wild West. Like it's such mm-hmm. a new frontier. And we talk a lot in high school about, would you say this to someone's face? Mm-hmm. Then you should not attach it, your name to it and put it online. Like you should not, or don't, not even not attach it. Like don't put it out there anonymously either. But like, if you wouldn't be able to say this to someone's face and watch their emotional reaction to what you've just said, then don't put it out there. 
yeah. full stop, right? No, I've got the same sort of thing with my teacher Instagram too. It, I I choose to add into some conversations if it can be productive and respectful. And if it's mm-hmm. not, I end up unfollowing people. And when people disagree with me, I encourage them. And when people disagree with me in a way that is disrespectful or unproductive, I encourage them to unfollow me. Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, then you're not going to like what I have to say. Right. Yeah. If, if we can't talk about it as adults, then you're not mm-hmm. going to like me. And that's yeah. okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my students don't have that luxury. They are stuck in the same classroom. And so they need to learn how to coexist. Well, and I wonder if we start to see a shift. Um, because like, I think about me, I, I wasn't educated on social media etiquette. Like that wasn't a thing, you know? And I just wonder if we start to see a shift in this like younger generation coming up. Um, I sure hope so, but it does take, it will take a lot of us, the adults modeling. Well, modeling and in order to properly model and not in a way that is forced or contrived, it's Mm -hmm. going to take us immersing ourselves into what our students are looking at. That's another part of the reason why I like to be so active on social media is I start to gain the vernacular that my students are using. Mm -hmm. And I see, I can just think through the way that they're seeing things. If I know how an Instagram or Snapchat story works. Um, and it's not as it's, you know, like (laughs) when I'm I'm trying to think of a good example, like it's just not as forced and unnatural if I actually do know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying when you're on the Snapchat, use good grammar, (laughs) like, (laughs) cause it's just so like old person talking down. So forced. Um, right. Right. But it's, it's hard. They learn so much faster than we do because, these different like social media channels and like uh, platforms are just not necessarily relevant to adult lives all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's hard to stay up with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, real quick. Cause I, we're like, we've been talking so much. I know. Um, Sorry. I'm such a talk. No, 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 no. It's fine. I just like want to respect your time with your kids and everything. Um, give us a few, things that you do with your secondary kiddos to, um, keep them engaged. Like I know you talked about reading being a really big passion of yours right now and something that you're, I guess, really seeing a lot of success with. Um, so some engagement strategies that you're practicing in your classroom. So I will say that the biggest thing that I think, or the biggest tactic that other than like being just really clear, like here's what's going on and here's what you're going to get out of it. So like in addition to here are your behavior um, expectations, here's also what you can expect to get out of this because this is part of their life that they are spending in my classroom. So I like to make connections there and say, yes, we are like today. Yes, we are learning how to annotate for characterization in this text because you're getting ready to do it with um, Of My Cement. I was showing my students, my freshmen, an excerpt from the first Harry Potter book. We were looking at how Dudley and Harry's characters were being developed and just I'm showing them physically how to like close read and annotate a text. I said, but this goes way beyond just what we're doing in the classroom. This goes into your like life. When you're meeting a new person or you're really getting to know somebody, what are the sorts of things that you look at that tell you or inform you about what kind of a person this is? Therefore, how deep your connection is going to go with that person? Well, you look at things that the person does. It's a way to develop character in a book. You look at things that the person says, things that other people say about the character, thoughts, that they, right? Like you look at all of these different things, um, how they present themselves, which then in a novel or like a short story would be their physical description by the narrator. Um, and I'm just kind of showing them those parallels of like, these are life skills. 
that, yeah, we're talking about Harry Potter and like Dudley, but <laughs> these are like total life skills because you're going to go into a new class and have to meet all new table partners and get to know these people and figure out what your role is in this moment and in their life and then what theirs is in your own. So I try to make that, sorry, that was a long explanation for, I try to make the um, life skills and like the just connections that they're making and what they're gaining out of whatever we're doing really, really clear so that then there's some buy-in. But I also, um, beyond that, like to provide students with choice when and wherever I can. Um, if they have choice, their buy-in like exponentially grows. So whenever we do like reading, I like to give them a choice of two or three, like we do lit circles or something. I give them a choice of two or three novels that they can really sit down and figure out which one they think is going to fit into their life for the next month of this unit or whatever. Um, and just try to explain it to them that way and show them how much control they really have. Like they have a ton of control over their own choice to engage in what we're doing or to disengage and go through the motions. And I, I, all the time I'm looking around the room and I see that some of you have decided to disengage. Here's what you're missing. You're missing out on this skill and this skill. It is completely your choice. And I kind of do a little bit of like mom guilt on them. But mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just to remind them that like you, you, this is your life. You have to choose to engage in your life or choose to disengage in your life. But either way, you're making the choice. It works for most, but like everything, there's no one-stop shop, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and then, like I said, those those relationships that you build with students, they, they'll start to then also have that same relationship with me and to see that I am planning things in a way that I'm trying to enrich their life mm -hmm. through the skills that I'm teaching with this material. And they start to see a why. If they can see the why, they're going to have a lot better buy-in and engagement. Well, I even remember that from when I was in high school thinking, totally. why do I need to, to learn this? Because it's useless. Totally. Um, well, like I tell them too, like, guys, I sat in like my algebra on oh, geometry. I sat in geometry going, when am I, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to teach something in the humanities. I'm never going to need this. And then I became a homeowner. And then I realized <laughs> that I can't afford to have a contractor do all of the projects and I'm going to have to do DIY. And I really wish I remembered <laughs> geometry. <laughs> like... Yeah. So. Okay. Tell us, well, okay. Before you tell us where we can find you, I want you to give us like the 411 on your YouTube channel, when you started it, why, all that okay. stuff. So as of right now, the beginning of March, right? My YouTube channel is just a couple weeks shy of being a year old, which Yay. is pretty exciting because I thank you. I'm like, I'm really proud of it because it has grown quite a bit. And I have been very transparent on my YouTube channel, just about like what it is to have my kids and try to balance work and home. And when I started it, I was still in that traveling, like itinerant teacher position. Um, mm -hmm. And then over the summer, I vlogged about setting up my class room and doing like flexible seating oh, throughout. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that like actually boosted my channel quite a bit because not a whole lot of high school teachers feel like they have, I don't know, the freedom. I, I, I don't really know. I've always been one that decorates my classroom, but it was always very here and there, like I would put up a little bulletin board and then forget to take care of it for like, so we would have, you know, black history month until June. Like I would just forget to do anything else. Um, and I just decided as I had worked in like 
sorry, I keep losing my train of thought. And uh, as I had worked in elementary classrooms, I was seeing how these like themes really permeated through so much of the curriculum and how this flexible seating and this like homey atmosphere made it so that kindergartners could work on their own. And a fifth grade class of 10 and 11 year olds could come into the room and just know what to do because they were so comfortable in the space because they felt like it was part, they were part of the community. And I went, I'm bringing that to my classroom. That's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. So that's what I vlogged about quite a bit. Um, I did a little series and then I've actually recently started daily vlogging in my classroom and doing some, like you said before, teach, like watch me teach vlogs and, um, just the reaction that I've gotten from viewers has been so fulfilling that I'm like, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Like I just kind of kept on going and trying different things and I would do sit down videos and vlogs and vlogs seems to be the thing right now. Uh, I really like How them. long are they? Like if you're doing them every day? I try to keep them, I try to keep them under 10 minutes and sometimes they go up to like 13, 14, but they're not crazy long. And they're normally just me chatting about this is what's going to be happening in my classroom today. Okay, here's a little bit of what it looks like. And I don't show my students faces because that's not fair and yeah. not okay. Um, I, I'll just kind of do like a quick little thing of them working and like avoid their names and avoid their faces just mm -hmm. to see what it looks like in my classroom. I'll film myself while I'm teaching and then I'll reflect on it all. And that's kind of been the flow. Do your kids watch, your students, do they watch oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What did it's they say? funny. It's funny because as I got like my new batch of kids at the beginning of this quarter, um, because they're freshmen and they don't really have a finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on at school. Like all the upperclassmen know who I am because I've been at the school for 12 years. Like right. I've already like, Oh, Mrs. Morris, you're the one on YouTube. Like, blah, 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 blah. I saw your one video. Your son was so funny. Blah, 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 blah. Like they'll come and talk to me about stuff. But my ninth graders were so like <laughs> completely clueless that all of a sudden I saw we had like Chromebooks out one day and they were working on a writing assignment. And I said, when you're done, you can, you know, do whatever you need to do as long as you're not distracting somebody else. And I hear my voice coming out of a speaker and all the kids like turn and looked and they were like, you have a YouTube channel. And then all of a sudden oh, my God. voice is popping up all over the room. And I'm like, <laughs> it happened. Oh gosh, it happened. Here it is. Here I am everywhere. Yeah. yeah. They're funny about it. So I think that could be like a little scary. Um, like having your kids watch it. And I guess I'm thinking more of like parents, but I also am now thinking that could actually be a really good thing for parents to be able to see like your teaching style. In yeah. I, 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 these are definitely things that like have gone through my head. Like, well, what if a parent doesn't like what I'm doing in class? Why, mm -hmm. <laughs> why, why would they now not like it? They wouldn't have liked it anyways when their student yeah. reported home, you know, like yeah. it's, if there's going to be something that comes up, it's going to be an issue anyways. And me being on camera isn't going to change that. If I'm just being true to myself and I'm doing what I do and just being open and honest, then it it's fine. Like, yeah, there's nothing to hide. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it is nerve wracking because we're so used to having our classroom doors closed. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll tell everyone where we can find you on all the socials and everything. So on YouTube, my channel is the caffeinated classroom. Um, I am on Instagram at the caffeinated class because I don't remember why there was a reason. Um, and classroom was probably taken. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Um, and then my blog is the caffeinated classroom.com. 
Okay. And I'll link to all that. Um, so that way people can go find it and watch your YouTube channels and everything. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for chatting with us and just being so open, just like you are with kids, open and vulnerable and, you know, sharing all this stuff. Thank you for doing that. Cause I know that there's going to be somebody listening who's going to appreciate the wisdom that you shared. Oh, thank you. I, this is really nice. That's the hope, right? Is that like, we all have our own individual experiences and to share those experiences is the way that we can grow and like feel connected to others. So thank you for having me. Yep, of course. It's interesting to me because I've talked with two secondary teachers now on the podcast for this season. The next is Ashley Bible. So you haven't heard her yet. She'll be on here in a couple weeks later on this month, but both of them talked about how a secondary kids behavior management comes more from that relationship building and that, um, like follow through. And I know in elementary, we're constantly giving dojo points and stickers and money for their good behavior, but it also makes me think with our younger kids, could we also have effective classroom management by just showing our kids we trust and respect them? And then they do the same in return. I don't know, just something to ponder on. We show that by doing exactly what Marie said, setting clear expectations and following through the consequences when they're not met. And that's probably the most crucial piece of classroom management, regardless of age. You set an expectation, you give a consequence if it isn't followed through. All the links to Marie's Instagram account, her YouTube channel, everything is over on this week's show notes. So make sure you head there to get all the information you need. You can also sign up for my email list while you're there and get weekly emails with management and organization tips, updates on courses and products launching and blogs I'm sharing. All of that will be over there on the show notes. If you have a minute, would you do me a favor and head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? I would really appreciate it. And I will see you back here next week with another mini-sode. This time we're going to be talking about summer PD opportunities, and I'm really excited for this one. Until then, enjoy your week. Be fired up about your kids, your job. Your kids deserve it, and you do too. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Hooksounds.com.